0: i wanted to jump in and and, and quickly mention like or ask like with this uh with the geopolitical sphere here you have the senate just passing that like 100 billion dollar aid to uh for in foreign Ah. aid and that's just that's not really de-escalating the situation globally Mm -hmm. If anything is, it, I mean, I think with everything that's happening in the Middle East, there's maybe a 50-50 chance there's an actual like World War III-like scenario. I'm curious how that would I don't think accelerate I don't think we're, we're going to
1: have World War anything. Um, and the reason why I say this is because mm-hmm. Russia's population is in decline, Europe's population is in decline, China's population is in decline. And the reality is every single one of these major players has bigger fish to fry at this point than to go to war to everybody else. Like their problem is not a lack of land or some shit. Like this is not, the, not a thing. So I think like the Ukraine drama, you know, like, you know, goes back for quite a while as Putin describes and why he did what he did and whatever the fuck else. But like, like, like you know, think about this. Look how much effort Russia has put forth in Ukraine and they still haven't won that fucking war. Like, you know, like where else are they going to go to go fight? Um, because the thing is with America, you don't want to wake up that sleeping beast. Like the number of weapons we can make here will boggle your fucking mind if you turn this into a wartime economy. And yet, you know, the thing is like everybody knows that you do not wake that monster up. Like, it's like so, like there's no reason to sort of create that escalation. Um, but yeah, we can we can escalate to a lot of machines, like to kill a lot of people within a four-year time frame. Um, it it's it, like so it can be done but the point is like i don't think anyone wants to create that situation right now i doubt it like china's economy but anyone, china's economy shit huh? the shitter too
0: but i guess like for all the past world wars i don't think anyone wanted to like for example in world war one it was the whole like um France-Bernard no France-Bernard what, and no England
1: but like world like, war like one and two you, you had enough. plenty of expansionist governments out there that were ready to fight and had to enjoy like enjoyed it like germany was big on like expansionism at that point way more so than russia's interested at this point so um i don't know like i mean the biggest the biggest fucking culprits in the last like you know 150 years wasn't the russians it was the europeans actually like talk about the stupidest motherfucking people ever (laughs) like like you know like what were they doing right like why did they so, they decimated their own civilizations with their own infighting. Um, Europe could have been like a much more prominent power today if, if it weren't for the fact that they fucked themselves up and more or less killed each other. It's pretty embarrassing, actually. Yeah, it's like uh, retard re-ta- level okay, stupid, but, right?
2: Like, so hey, like, hey, right? stop trying to fucking trigger me, Sefi. Well, the well, UK
1: U <laughs> K wasn't at fault there, so you're okay.
2: Right, we're not mainland Europe, but we're still fucking European. It was more, fucking... more German.
1: It was more German than Cosmos. The chaos, honestly.
2: Yeah, no, I'll agree with you on that one.
3: Yeah, that's fine, fine.
0: But okay, but but I guess, Steffi, my my point here is, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're, you know, modern times. We might not be doing land grabs, but you have like, I don't know what, like, nine hundred U S bases around the globe, um like it's just like kind of don't you just think it's taken just a new form like china building all this infrastructure in africa I don't and now not think so all these countries like, like you could uh,
1: basically sink all of china's navy within like minutes i'm not kidding minutes like it, it like, like they can't they can't, proje- the they can't project the power as much as people think they can so like yeah it's like it'd be just dr- like
2: I, I can answer that navy question by the way uh it's one weapon on a boat it's called a rail gun (laughs) that's the point of a navy
1: (laughs) yeah there's rail guns too but a lot of that's not deployed very heavily yet though but there no we got
2: we got a couple in the uh, uk who we've threatened to uh is it argentina we've threatened to blow the fuck out of them if they keep trying to talk about the reality
1: is there's like these things are a lot like nobody wants to get into a submarine war with everybody right like these are like these are big time killing machines and you can kill a lot of shit with them. Like you could take out the surface ships in no time, right? Like this is a big deal. So I don't know. Like <laughs> I don't think like, I'm not as worried about some sort of world war three situation as some people might be like people like to gin this shit up because like, you know, part of it is like Eisenhower's description of the military industrial complex wanting to gin for war so that like, you know, you, you know, keep the, here's the thing like you have a moloch situation where the states are incentivized to gin up war because like they might be getting benefits from like government money going and spent in their states for building machines of destruction so ships uh airplanes you name it and i own stock in like fucking lockheed martin and you know all of the different like what's the shipping company i forget the name of it anyway but like the point is uh i like so you, these things basically are, you're incentivizing because that money is spent in America to build these things and it creates jobs going. It's just a big job creating enterprise. So nobody ever says no to war like distinctly from the perspective of the general people because there's a lot of people that benefit from it. So this is like the military industrial media complex sort of circle jerk that everyone always warns about. And it's like a, it's like a monster in of itself. It's not really controllable in the sense that you think it's controllable because like the interests are aligned to keep it going. And, uh, so there's that building always in like Russia, Iran and U S everybody's doing their little proxy wars and shit. Um, but think of it like as just one more way to distribute money to people. It's like a, like, it's like distributing money to into the economy. Um, you know, to keep the plebs working and, you know, blowing, you know, creating neat machines and whatever. And you have to do it anyway because you, you need to have like defensive capabilities. And so with, in order to maintain defensive com- capabilities, you have to build offensive ship from time to time and attack other people. So like, it's a, it's a, it's a vicious cycle of like, um, there, there's no way around it really. And it's not something you can solve for, but do I think like China and Russia and everybody's interested in going to like a world war three, I doubt it. Now, would that go very poorly? Probably. The US military is very, very over um overstretched. And the size of the actual US military in terms of human forces is not very big. So that can get stretched in very quickly. Because of the war on terror, a lot of the sort of like military development has been for small surgical strikes, like to kill terrorists and stuff, but it wasn't for waging massive wars you know, on the ground and stuff, um, with tanks and amphibious, whatever. So there would have to be a giant sort of run up for that to happen. And I think that's true of all of those countries, like even Russia, I think they've, they have, Russia has ramped up their military, um, production though. So that's kind of like the worry, like now that they've ramped that up, are they going to use it? That kind of question. But, um, I don't know, we'll see. Um, but I think that's part of the, the drive for like all of these illegals coming into America, like you see the millions of people, just people being led across the border. I think it's like, mm, there's no labor force. Like people need to do some, they need some people to actually build some shit. And whether it's infrastructure or whether it's for machines of destruction, that's why all those people are being let in. Um, and it's sort of like a quasi bipartisan sort of thing. It's not like, like the, they're against it, but they're not, you know, like what are they going to do about it? And on the other hand, there's like indirect benefits even if there's a few terrorists that slip in. So yeah, the geopolitics of a whole thing, like, you know, am I worried about it from a crypto angle, from a stock investing angle? The thing is, like, you're, you're not going to know that shit anyway. Like, you can figure out whatever your risk management's going to be, but like, you can't really materially decide you're investing too much based on those things unless you are going to actually invest in sort of like military industrial complex stocks or something. But is it like bullish or bearish for crypto or something like that? I don't know. Like, you know, I'm not really sure. Um, So I I try not to dwell on things that I can't control, um, especially dwelling on them from the perspective of making financial decisions. I don't really think about it too much because like, what are you going to do about it? You're just going to have to roll with the punches when they come. If anything, like if you're worried about a worse future, probably the thing to do would be to have less debt maybe. Or, like, or if you're in a category where you believe your debt will be forgiven at some point, then use up as much debt as you can so that you can buy a bunch of shit and then, like, have it. Um, So, like, some people will buy, for example, a house, even if they can't afford it, because the homestead laws in most places are that they can't take your primary home, even if you can't pay for it. So, there are some, like, people that take advantage of those types of things um, if they can or whatever. But, yeah, be careful with all those ideas. But. I'm just sort of throwing stupid shit out there, but like, yeah, there's a, um, that's my thoughts on kind of war and whatever. I, I think that the biggest problem right now is not whether we have a war. The biggest problem at this moment is pop, depopulation of industrialized countries. That is the most obvious threat to your way of life, as it stands today. It's the most obvious threat to things like equities, because um, if you don't have future customers, who the fuck's going to keep all those you know, stock prices? up and keep the price to earnings ratios up and who's going to buy your commercial properties when you're done with them? Who's going to buy your house when you don't need it anymore? Right. So like the population decline for for the generation, like, like if you're starting out life right now and you're relatively young, the biggest issue is going to be that as far as the valuation of your various assets um, and how that looks 20 years from now as a result of it. So we're not in that growth phase of population and it's already too late. Um, if any country that hasn't ha- don't doesn't have enough babies as of literally this moment, it's already too late for the next like thirty or fifty years. You, like to revamp that to have a societal cultural change to have more kids um, is something that takes a significant amount of time. And some people are posting some charts, like you know the number of women that have had like have three children has dropped by like ninety percent right? Like that, that's not a good sign. That means that we are going to be fucking poor in many, in more ways than one. Um, even India has started to plateau on its population as well. So when growth starts to go down, the labor force tends to be harder and harder to come by and you get labor force um, inflation on top of the fact that you don't have any new consumers for your various goods and products and whatever, or your houses or what, whatnot. And you don't have people to take care of the elderly. So you're going to have that burden. The US is not as bad off in this regard as Europe, Russia, and China, and Japan, and South Korea. The US has sort of like mm, reasonable birth rates, um, like right on the edge kind of thing. Uh, not going the right trend though, but reasonable. And then the birth rates are, um, uh, but like, but they're compensating it for, by letting a bunch of legal people in. That's really what's happening there. Um, so you'll you'll probably see Europe and others do the exact same thing. Notice when Ukraine was attacked, you know, Germany's like, okay, Ukrainians come over here. And Poland was like, sure, come on, Ukrainians come over here. And why, why, why are they doing this? Because they don't have enough warm bodies to do the work and take care of the, the infrastructure and the elderly. And there all of these places have population decline. So I would say that's a much bigger crisis for all of these countries. And, and there's no doubt that both Russia and China and all of those folks are well aware of this, um, so uh, that would be the the counter to the idea that we're going to go to some World War III or some shit. Um, it's it's insufficient amount of labor, um, you know. That's going to be the big piece of the the big thing. The other thing is like we have a fairly interconnected world. Like Taiwan can't build semiconductors for everybody um, if Taiwan is not functioning as a country. Mm, that'll set everybody back. It'll set China back. It'll set the U.S. back. It'll set Russia back. doesn't really matter. Like, it'll set everybody back economically, technologically, you name it. Um, and if they destabilize Taiwan, uh, Taiwan requ- has a very, very, like, extremely well-oiled, uh, like, what is it called? Like, supply chain, basically. And sand has to come from whatever, which is really re- well-refined sand. It has to be kind of like brought in. It has to be turned into silicon chips, whatever. All this shit is like a gigantic uh, enterprise to get you a, your smartphone that you're using right now. Uh, it's really one of the most finely tuned systems on the planet to get you the smartphone that you're using. Like It's just amazing. Uh, it's worth looking into and researching if you haven't seen this. Um, and Taiwan Semiconductor, TSMC is the stock ticker. is kind of like the leading the manufacturer of these things for like you know the likes of Apple and whoever else, and destabilizing that for China um, doesn't have a tremendous amount of advantages right now, um, unless they specifically wanted to weaken U.S. economy. But it, indirectly, that would crash their own economy because we're the number one consumer of Chinese shit. So we've already sort of said, hey, we're going to move um, more chip manufacturing out of China. Uh, we're going to disincentivize worker visas and maybe drop citizenships of people working in China so a lot of people in the chip industry have moved back to America and they are subsidizing the production of plants in the US the likes of Intel AMD whoever uh, to build plants in the United States things we don't have people to work those plants (laughs) like realistically so I don't know how much of that's going to actually happen but that's where again they need more illegals and whoever the fuck else to come in so it wouldn't shock me at all actually if legal immigration jumped dramatically over the next 10 years, like it did like in the 1960s and 70s and whatnot, because uh, they're going to need people that uh, have these skills. And um, we don't have those people in America. Like The math talent just isn't here. The average high school doesn't have enough math students coming out that can become credible electrical engineers. So it's a big problem. Like There's just not enough people, period, in the United States. You don't even have enough workers for like one fucking TSMC factory in America much less having a dozen of them so the, this is a real problem like those are gigantic factories with huge cities worth of people working in those factories meaning like like you'd have to be able to s- snap a finger and get 50,000 engineers like that's not a big that's a big deal like we don't have that in America today so destabilizing that system um US is not particularly benefited by it China's not um and i suspect they will sort of like tone down some of their rhetoric more than likely over time because the population problem is going to be much more, the much bigger elephant in the room, in my opinion. So I'm not really worried about everyone trying to go to World War III with each other so much. Everyone's going to try to solve their population deficit. One of the ways you can solve a population deficit is not go to war because you need to, you need to incentivize people from around loc- you know, local environments. Like, for example, the US is just like letting people in from Central South America and God knows where else, right? Like <laughs> lately, millions of people showing up. Um, if you're not aware of how many people have showed up, we're talking about this, like the number of people that are in like 31 of the American United States. Like that's how many people have shown up across that border over the last couple of years. It's a ridiculous amount of people. I don't even know where the fuck they're going and how they're surviving, but there they are. Um, you see them crawling about here and there. Um, but um, in China, the same situation is going to apply. If they're not a nice place, nice destination to migrate to, they already have like the issue that most of the people there speak Chinese. So a lot of non-Chinese speakers can't really move there um, without learning Chinese. And that's not an easy language to learn. A lot of uh, Southeast Asian countries, India. Pakistan, whatever, they learn English if you are in higher education. So those people tend to migrate to the United States, not to China. Um, Will they change that course over time? Maybe, but China's only choice is to attract more people from the rest of Southeast Asia to fill that gap and um, create jobs for people. And like, you know, they have a ton of real estate that no one's fucking using too. So like they built a bunch of buildings and whatever. So That's why they're in such dire straits now. So to bring in more people because they're not going to produce enough people on their own in terms of birth rate. At this point, it's too late. Even if they bumped up birth rate and said everyone in China has to have three kids today, um, it's it's already too late. So what does that mean? Like, okay, they bring in lots of people from elsewhere, but how are they going to do that if you're at war and fucking doing who knows what? So nobody's going to want to move to China if they decide to go to declare war on the, the, you know, on the on the Pacific or whatever. (laughs) Like it just doesn't make sense. So I don't know unless China decides to get expansionary and mess with other countries in the nearby region. But it's not that easy either because the regional countries, Pakistan, India, um, whatever, Afghanistan, like to some degree, these are kind of either hell holes like Afghanistan that are really difficult to mess control, or B, they have countries like Pakistan and India that are armed to the teeth, essentially, who are not going to like just sit around and let you fuck around with them. Like these are some of the largest standing land armies on the planet, like India and whatever, right? So, um, so like – Anywhere where you're going to find useful idiots to join your country, like, you know, the reality is that, like, the places that can defend themselves you are not going to be able to, like, strongly incentivize those by force. But if they were to open up their immigration, the thing is, like, how incentivized are Indians, Pakistanis, or other Southeast Asians to move there? I don't know. Like, I don't think a huge number of Indians move to China compared to the amount of people that moved to Europe. Australia and whatnot, especially from India in particular. There's a lot of people that immigrate to all over the world. Like, it's interesting, like, pr- like it won't be very long before, like, Indians represent, you know, a significant portion of the population of every country on this planet, um, believe it or not. It's like the, the amount of people is kind of funny in that re- respect. Um, there's Definitely. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah.
0: Sorry, I, I got to drop. I'm getting another call, but I'll be back on. Go ahead, man.
1: Yeah, time. no problem. Yeah, you don't try not to introduce yourself in and out because like nobody wants to like follow that anyway. Um, but um, yeah, but this is the idea. Like, I'm not too bearish on worries about war and all these things. It's more a question of um, uh, it's it's more a question of like this population thing. So, you know, if I have an investing thesis, the declining population is my core concern. Um, like I have some stock and things and things like commercial real estate. Um, I bought it at the bottom of the last, like this last stock bear market with real estate got crushed with rising interest rates. And I, and a lot of those stocks are up And my, one of my questions in my head is, should I just sell these things? I'm up a lot, like 40% to a hundred percent on a lot of these things, just because I bought them at the bottom of the bear market. I'm like, maybe I should just sell them, like get out. Like, You know, maybe I'm just being greedy, holding those stupid things. um, not really sure though. Um, Long term real estate tends to do pretty good. So if you're like looking over a 20 year time frame, you might be okay, but you might not. Like, you know, maybe we have just a real estate disaster in America because of the lack of population. I don't know. Um, but that, but I do think that's where the US has some advantage. Our birth rate's not quite as low as everywhere else. And simultaneously, a lot of people want to come here. So if you increase legal immigration, it's not very hard to fill those quotas uh, compared to like. You know, a lot of people want like how many Americans want to move to China? Not very many. Um, how many Indians want to move to China? Not very many, probably in the grand, grand scheme of things. So um, it, it's just difficult to move to China because most most of the world most of the world's educated people speak English, not Chinese. That's just simply what it is. Um, and the people that do speak Chinese are already in China mostly, <laughs> so like there's not anyone to sort of move there from Southeast Asia or India, Pakistan or whatever. Nobody learns Chinese in schools there. So it's actually quite difficult to move there. Anyway, but the U.S., like, yeah, you could, you could basically open up immigration anytime for legal immigration, and people show up from all over the world. Um, they always do. So that's kind of like, um, and there's a lot of excess land in America, um, which, which has been developed with lots of roads and bridges and everything that gets to where you want to go. So there's, there's reasonable infrastructure. In the U.S. to support a much much larger population than is actually here now, uh, for sure. I mean, Texas alone has like the population of like or the GDP of like most countries, um, and is so for all intents and purposes is like has more resources and power than most countries. Quite frankly, um, and there's plenty of room even there. Like the Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin metroplex um, will probably be, in my estimation will probably be one of the most populous um, like locations on the planet before too long like it'll just keep on growing because there's really nothing stopping it. It's geologically stable um, at least in the southern part near more like the like there are some water issues, um, less so in the Houston side compared to Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, those areas but like there's it's that that area has plenty of um, growth opportunity for sure it's really, really spread out. And you could, you could centralize a lot of the living in those, that state and really get away with it. So it's a, it's an interesting area. Um, but basically there's so much room for growth, like, you know, land is not a concern. So like a new person to the United States can quite literally have their own piece of land. They can build a house on it, you know, have infrastructure that goes there and it can be still be done at a reasonable price, believe it or not. Um, they're, like most people, when they talk about high housing rates, it's because of where they specifically choose to live that results in that. But you can get a reasonable size small house built, um, especially in a little bit outside properties, um, outside destinations, uh, depending on how much commute you have to have. That's the problem is can you actually work near where this where your house and everything is? But eh, whatever the case may be, there's plenty of room for growth in the United States for the next you know, hundreds of years or what have you, there's not really anything preventing that. And um, you have lots of rivers, you have oceans on both sides, you have large oceans making it actually hard to attack America. So it's like very, and then, and then both to the North and South, neither Mexico or, or Canada are aggressors to the United States. So we're not expecting Canada to invade New York next week or anything. Um, so, like, so you don't actually spend a lot of money on local national defense. That uh, whereas like an India would right, India has a gigantic local national defense, like it's really quite large. Like we're talking about a million man standing army type numbers, because they don't they don't trust that uh, China and Pakistan or whoever the fuck else can be trusted, so they have to do that. But because America's not worried that Canada's going to invade, it's not a problem. Uh, Mexico has like some drugs and illegals that show up, but really like <laughs> that's because Americans like drugs and illegals. Um, it's not really exactly Mexico's fault that uh, Americans are morons for their drug addiction. Um, But outside of that, like, you know, Central, North and South America are relatively stable from like a global war perspective and should be fine. Anyway, um, yeah. So, I think population, I think, is number one on my list. I tend to agree with the proponents of that particular worldview as far as like uh, the general direction of the economy. Anyway, and uh, Kareem wasn't here to hear all of that, but whatever. I think it's a gist of it. Um, like, but people you, – you like you read the stuff on Twitter and on, online and you hear people talk on the news and stuff. And some of these things get blown way out of proportion, by the way, like like by people that have no idea what they're talking about a lot of times anyway. So not to say that I, I know the exact future. It's just that like I know that every one of these possible Armageddon theories people have are posted on the internet and whatever. And especially if you're on Twitter – if you're on like social media, the loudest radicals are the ones that you tend to hear the most from. And um, you know, like usually the truth is not exactly at those extremes. So uh, don't try to be swayed too much by idiocy, uh, especially from when it comes to investing decisions. Jesus Christ, like if you had believed half the people who are bearish, like after the dot-com bubble, um, like you would have dramatically under invested in markets in the last 20 years um so just because people say wacky shit oh the, you know i can't imagine bringing a child into this world i can't i can't imagine all the whatever reasons why they think you know the world is going to hell in a hand basket or that the second coming is coming next week like you have all those people uh, but the reality is like these should you should be very careful about letting that nonsense cover your um like invade your investing decisions. Um, you could be very wrong based on a lot of that stuff and uh, be wrong at orders of magnitude. (laughs) So be careful with that. Um, I think on the whole, I've mentioned this before, technologically speaking, if you just look at the world of technology and science, there's a lot of um, stuff that's been discovered over the past 10 years that has not even been close to being implemented in modern society. Advanced materials proteomics, genetic stuff. And you saw recently like sickle cell therapy come out from Vertex. You saw like, you see intuitive surgical building a bunch of robots and we're going to the revolution of like robotic medicine at this point. A lot of that's going to be very common. Um, amazing stuff. And then you, you've got other things like, um, oh, I don't know, like yeah, biological technology has become amazing. You've seen all the robots and what they can do. You've seen what AI can do, like just the beginning of all that. So you have this gigantic growth curve, um, maybe the biggest growth curve ever since the invention of electricity um, could be based on the sort of AI and robotics theme. China has gone so far as to announce that they are like want to be the, the center of the robotics revolution. Um, if you don't want your own countries to fall behind, go learn something about fucking robots and start doing it. <laughs> but like, China wants to make their initiative is to be the robotic, robot manufacturing hub of the planet. And that could make them quite powerful if people aren't careful. So yeah, I think the US is also going to be in that same boat where basically like, ro- the robotics uh, race, as it were, is going to heat up over your lifetimes. And uh, all of these things that are gonna drive the economy. So the key here is like, you know, if you think that those things aren't gonna take money and people and create jobs and everything, of course they will. So you have at least 20 different technologies that you can conceive of that that are out there now that haven't been fully implemented in daily life that will result in consumer products, medical products, uh, military products for what that's worth. Um, And there's energy products as well that are gonna be coming. To in terms of like, um, you know, different levels of newer solar type infrastructure, battery infrastructure. Like, there's so many things that have to be built, even with the amount of tech that we have available now, without inventing anything new. Quite literally, like implementing what we know is possible with the current level of science uh, is going to take another twenty to thirty years. So that would be the optimistic side. The, the pessimistic side is who's going to build all this shit. So on the one hand, you're going to have plenty of jobs. I think I don't think that's going to be a problem at all, especially depending on what you do, what you do in life, uh, or if you're for your kids. Like I don't think it's going to be a problem for your kids if they grow up in the next 20, 30 years. But I do think that um, that um, there's going to be a labor force problem for sure, and there is a tendency for that can, that to be maybe solved with more robots. But even that's not straightforward because silicon and cobalt are in short supply, believe it or not. So the type of sand you need to make silicon-based chips is in short supply still. And cobalt, which is one of the rare earth metals necessary to make a lot of electronics things, along with other rare earth metals, are more found in China and whatnot. And they are a constraining factor for creating a gigantic robot revolution. If you don't have a giant robotic revolution, at the same time, you don't have enough people to do the work, Then what you have is just labor inflation. And and that can be a weird sort of interesting world to live in. But anyway, these are things just to conceive in your head as far as like what might be interesting things to invest in. Um, And this is the reason why I put like a bag into intuitive surgical. I mentioned that like six to nine months ago. That's up like 50% now. Um, I mentioned IBM, which is in quantum computing. That's up about 50% now from when I sort of first mentioned it. Um, or at least my, my position's up 50% in last year. Um, so, you know, all you have to look at is like, what are all the advanced materials, advanced science narratives that are going to be like the things that run the world in the next 20 years. And then you'll notice that what your next Apple computer or your next Microsoft is going to be. But a lot of times it's not the stuff that people have already bought into like, oh, look, Nvidia is already up. Okay, fine. But like your gains, they are going to be what exactly at this point? It's gonna take a long time. There are definitely a lot of other things that haven't pushed that envelope in terms of valuation and you might find better deals in the stock space. So if we get a good stock dump, in fact, um, again, you might have great buys over the next year. Um so if you have a job and you have income, you're like, hmm, I wanna align you might wanna like you wanna like like put take a bunch of stock tickers, bookmark them now as you know, like what are all the interesting new technologies, whatever bookmark them and then you can kind of like scale into the if the market goes down that's the theory that's kind of what i do but uh hey inferno did you were you were trying to say something earlier you came up but i i didn't let you i didn't have you say anything either not sure if you're still listening or not
3: yes oh, yes right. Absolutely. what's going on yeah absolutely fine i just want to know that's
4: everything about the supply chain and the inflation is going on and it's not reducing like the expectation 2.9 and you can see it's 3.1 and it's in the sticky zone you know three point one to 3.4 and it's keep repeating the same numbers do you think the inflation is going back and you say which are
1: coming um, back inflation in america is not really driven right now by heavy demand it's actually dri- driven right now by labor uh, the cost of labor has gone up substantially that's what's happened so it's not really supply chain right now Is the main thing so i don't know not really sure what they're gonna what to do like i think that's why they're letting a bunch of illegals in basically to like uh bring down the cost of actual manufacturing farming whatever so like it's like if you don't have enough slaves bring more slaves in usually that's how it works so the the existing folks like you know who may be like doing too well they're not interested in like lowering their amount of time on their smartphone or lowering their time on TV or whatever, Netflix. So the the basic the reality is like the existing population gets kind of soft and you have to bring in a bunch of people who are willing to work pretty much is what the deal is.
4: Okay. And I just want to mention this the things you mentioned about this India. And it's kind of right, you know that security yeah. developed. It. And do you think there is a chance of the so world war in third world countries
1: you know, and- uh, i I don't think so. i mean there's just nobody really strongly incentivized to go to war with each other, and by the way, it's very, very difficult to take a piece of land and keep it, especially if the population there doesn't is not uniformly in agreement that you want that land. so for example, if you take the parts of Ukraine they're largely Russian and Russia goes in there, they can ha- they can manage that because a lot of those people speak Russian and maybe they are maybe even supportive of Russia and maybe they're Russians themselves. And so therefore, like, if you take that plot, you might be able to make it work f- without causing civil war for, you know, generations. On the other hand, if it's like, let's say you were to have, you know, China show up and try to, you know, take part of Pakistan or something like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because like, the Pakistanis are sure as fuck not going to want to have Chinese take over, right? So that's gonna f- they're going to fight forever. Yeah. So that's kind of like, you know, I don't think there's a strong incentive to take an area that doesn't want to be taken, not in this world that we live in now. Like you, you have to exert a lot of force and a lot of lives to, to, to dominate a relatively small area of land these days yes exactly i just want to mention everything but russia is
4: not in the list, you know because russia is full of supply things and they have the populations and the population is very low so you you cannot you know think to treat russia like it you know competitions or something like that russia is not a competition but the things is you can see the china and india and these two countries are the high populations and they got the high labor supply. And while the countries like you know, Western countries, you guys have the capitals and the business is going on. So this is why you guys, you know, using China's and India's labor supply for you know for the businesses, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what's yeah. happening. China's China became the, the factory of the world. Um yeah. India became the source of like tons and tons of soft software engineers basically. <laughs> like as one of the things, yeah. And doctors yeah. and stuff.
4: So it's, it's a it's a second second market of China. It's a it's alternative alternative solutions of China, you know. The China is growing faster. And now they yeah. are so you know they are showing their, you know, their,
1: their dark side. Yeah, like and- if you go to any small town in America, um go to the smallest town, and I kid you not, like the tiniest little towns you can imagine, you'll find Indians owning hotels, you'll find Indians um owning various gas stations you'll have find indians as doctors there so like i don't care how like you know country town you go to in america you will find indians there today which is interesting um and because why because indians are willing to go wherever there's opportunity and um a substantial portion of the hotel industry for example in the us is owned by indians i think it's like 90 percent or something It's it's a funny amount um like 90 percent of all like motels hotels you name it have some Indian in the background that owns it so they're really really there's like competent at running those type of businesses and have done that and And then there's a lot of people that came over the united states as um doctors i think they are not indians right now
4: because they are become a united states citizen they're
1: basically basically americans now but my point is like indian background um yeah, yeah most of them become citizens and everything um and uh, and interestingly, Indians have among the highest per capita income in the country, uh, I think, no, the highest per capita racial group for income. And then on top of that, have like the least crime and whatever of most of the Western civilization. So the funniest thing is like, like, like Indians, by and large, have benefited the United States far more than the United States have benefited Indians. Well, actually, I take that back. It's equally benefited both, I would say
4: um you know so you can see that i am talking about the country in india and when you are seeing this country like the alternative markets and if you want to compare with china while china have their you know the china have don't do not have any kind of democracy in their country but that's a positive thing for the businesses and while you are dealing with india you can see there is hard to doing business in there because you know you can do business in china and whatever the thing, you don't have to, you know, deal with some politics and bullshit things Why you have to do some kind of business. Yeah, and-
1: the, a lot of the reason for that is because India does not put a lot of people in prison. So a lot of things that you would consider crimes in Europe or America, um, you know, like bribery and whatnot, like they happen at such a scale, like, like it happens everywhere all the time you actually couldn't put all those people in jail or like lock them all up. So there's like, there's no consensus mechanism to have everyone vote for the type of politician who's going to lock everyone up. um, Because if you did like, well, first of all, almost everyone's on the take. So like, why would anybody like, you know, cut a bite off the hands that feeds them? So this is sort of like the norm in India, but the problem is it makes the country very difficult to invest in because like yes. there's just too much graft if you're a new business and you want to bring a business there oh my god like t- you know so, trying to develop in, in india yes. is very
4: difficult that that's that's what i'm saying it's it's not a really good place for the doing business business yeah yes what it's not a solution you know so to be honest with you do you think india is an alternative solution for china yes or
3: no
1: um you mean a like if they break ties with China build more things in India maybe you're yes.
3: saying
1: I'm um, talking about
4: know, the supply supply the supply chain is coming from the Europe and America
1: it's coming from China Yeah China's but not these, China has a lot of resources there too they don't necessarily have great the greatest energy resources but they do have good mineral resources and electricity because they have coal powered plants out the wazoo Um, so they have like relatively cheap, they maintain relatively cheap electricity and resources to produce like iron and whatever. So the thing is, if you try to manufacture a lot of stuff in India, I don't think they have as much, well, first of all, certainly not as much energy resources and not as much water resources either. So if you suddenly build gigantic factories in India, the problem is, is that it puts a drain on local communities to some extent. So that how scalable is new industry in India? I don't know. But I do know, like I remember like when Coca-Cola or whatever built, you know, some factories in India and everything got all fucked up because people like, oh, they're using up all the water and the water price have gone up. And I don't remember they had other problems, too. I don't remember what it was, but um, it was not it was not an easy thing to implement even like Coca-Cola in India, uh, much less like, you know, bringing in like chip manufacturing or something like that. Now, the good plus side in India is you do have a lot of people who can handle, say, for example, like electrical engineering tasks and things of that nature. So that's a plus side. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like a lot of the software stuff would happen is software engineering does not require the, your physical presence in India. It actually makes it e- it's easier to take Indians and move them to whatever country using their skills than it does to do it actually in India. And that's one of the interesting uh, problems of the information age is that it caused a lot of humans to migrate to all sorts of places, and those people are not working in India, supporting Indian economy. They're supporting American economy, and uh, that's benefited the United States. But it's like left India with a brain drain of um, yes. you know because smart people yes, have left. Always going
4: to happen, you know. This is yeah. always going to happen. They end up going to end up in a brain
1: drain situations so, But you know that's yeah. the thing. Basically, humans' physical location is more fungible than. You know, physical resources or something like that. But you know the
4: but the thing is, the Goldman Sachs and the other banks predicted the Indian market going to bull, and they are going to cross China in 2040. So I don't believe this thing. You know, this is kind of blackmail. Possible. I don't know. The
1: Chinese stock market is a bit of a mess, so maybe just like the fact that it's doing shitty, it might make it possible for India to have a bubble there or something like that. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not yes.
4: really sure. It's not possible. But you know, do you think this kind of so this kind of propaganda or agenda is all about the blackmailing the
1: Chinese so they can do the business in there? You know, oh, the of yes, of course. It's not exactly blackmail, it's just use of leverage. So it's like, hey man, like if you guys don't like, you know, if you don't play ball with us, we're gonna move as much of our um, you know, shit to Taiwan or we're gonna I mean we're gonna move it to, I'm sorry, Thailand, or we're gonna move it to India, or we're gonna move this menu. So that'll happen automatically to some extent if China's being belligerent. But really just even just how they um so one of the things they did for chip manufacturing was they told people that were in China with American passports who were working there we're not going to keep we're not going to allow you to keep your <laughs> US passport if you stay in China all the time. Um go ahead and get Chinese citizenship. And a lot of people was like fuck that, we're leaving. So like the, they were able to sort of extract a lot of the US um like electronics, uh, engineers who had high level sort of chip making capabilities and they, they dragged them out. Uh, so yeah, they have, there's all sorts of influence and power that can be used to like, uh, modify the geopolitics of all of that. It's interesting stuff. Um, I, you know, it's very hard to predict how this shit goes though. It changes because of like American administrations change. It changes because like, I don't know, just randomness, like, I don't know. It's very difficult to predict any of this shit in any kind of long-term thing. Yeah, But um, I think some longer term like macro trends would be the most obvious one is the population shift. And that might help some people here who are investing in certain things think about like, you know, who are going to be the future customers for their products, who are going to like if you have real estate, who's going to be using this real estate. Uh, so depending on which country you're on and people in this room are probably from all over the place, um, everything's going to vary based on like what you're investing in what's your sort of area of expertise is and how much you want to worry about this. But I think like, um, yeah, I mean, right now, like, mm, like, like from our perspective, the bottom line is it makes more sense to ride this bull market appropriately. <laughs> like <laughs> they just like, you know, five extra money or something and then park that in something safe and then do it again in another bear market or whatever. And, and again and again. So, um, we'll see how that goes. Some people say like, this is going to be the giga run. Like if you think about like how big can crypto get, um, you know, some people say, well, the ETF was the big thing. If we have a gigantic boom in Bitcoin and it runs to like 255 to pay K to $500,000 a coin, which is not unheard of given the scarcity of the thing. Um, and you have this big giga pump. Can we actually do that again in the future, or are the pumps going to become smaller, similar to what happened with gold? So gold went up a lot with the ETF of gold, and then ever since, it's been kind of like whatever. Like gold's performance, like after the ETF, I think it went up to like, what, 800 or 1,200, something like that. It really pumped. And then afterwards, now it's like gold's at 2,000, like you know, a couple of decades later, whereas everything else boomed big time. Like you got a whole 2X on gold. Gold has sucked as an investment, generally speaking. Unless you just DCA, exponential DCA into the bottom. Um, gold is generally just sucked as a general investment. Um, and uh, the, the thing is, does, crypt, does crypto become like that if BTC tops out? And um, the ROI or the possible return investment starts to become more limited. Uh, some people think that BTC will hit like, you know, crazy numbers, like million dollar BTC. Um, it'll hit numbers like $10 million BTC and these kinds of things and it'll stabilize. Um, at that point, the question is, which crypto projects sell a great software service? Like what, like what is going to be investable in the future as far as high return on investments? Um, one thing that can't go on forever is every single season, a new layer one blockchain gets created. Either it's a Cosmos chain or some new shit. And all those new chains are going to like fragment the liquidity. And in like, how are you going to even advertise your chain? Oh, we create chain Y. And it's like, like who's going to know about your chain when there's so many different things? It's going to be like penny stocks. How many of you guys know penny stocks? Like, do you even know a single ticker? I don't at the top of my head because I don't trade in penny stocks. There comes a point where you have so many cryptos, which you sort of do now, just like to the newbie today, if they show up today, like, oh, you're buying Zephyr, really? Like, they, they don't know what half these things do. They have no idea, right? So what happens if the more and more coins you get, the more and more layer ones you get is that the liquidity gets fragmented. When it gets fragmented, what happens is consumers get confused. They don't know where they can make a moon bag they just want to get rich. Right. They're like, oh, we want to get rich. Um, And and if you can't clearly define where you're going to get rich, it becomes just like the, the stock market where the penny stocks, nobody knows what to buy. And therefore, they don't buy any of them. Right. That's what happens. Like or they don't they don't want to ape into something because it could go to zero or because they just don't know what it is um, or they just never heard about it. It could be fantastic, but no one's hearing about it because like they're, they're in the waste bin somewhere in the, so this is what, this is what could happen to crypto after this cycle. So that's why some people say like, this is the cycle that you want to make it. Yeah. You know, this could be the giga move, like where Bitcoin, the ETF causes all the big pumps. And then is next cycle going to be as good? And that's why like I started really, really dreaming about like what are going to be the projects that are still around 10 years from now? Because if I want to hold a lot of money in something and I believe that the market will dump again at some point, or let's say it dumps halfway through this cycle, maybe it's a double cycle, maybe it's like we get like a run and then a crash, and then we have another run, maybe like you know end of year or like maybe next year or something. it could be weird, like it may yeah. not look like anything before. Yeah. So if that were happening, guess- like if, if your bag dumps and it goes down in price, are you willing to hold it? for another year, another two year, that's the thing I've been asking myself. And it's like, okay, that's where like, to me, something like a chain link seemed to fit the, fit the right kind of risk yes. benefit profile. I just want to know something about this United States,
4: like, you know, how big the crypto industry in United States, I mean, the how, if 10, 10 out of, you know, um, so how many people 10 out of um, knows about crypto in the United States?
1: Now, I think a lot of people know about it. Um, What proportion of the population actually owns it and trades it and follows on a routine basis has gotten bigger every year. I don't know what that exact number is off the top of my head.
3: Yes, Um, I I can can see.
1: see, I can can (laughs) Google and see. Let's see uh, what people say.
3: Um, Yes, I can
4: see something like, you know, these elections in your next elections and the senators are coming like crypto-friendly. You're politicians, you know, they are getting yeah. votes by promoting
1: next, crypto. So, yeah, the next so. generation, there will be more um, people that um, not only have crypto, but yeah, right now, like 2021, New York Digital Investment Group said 46 million people, or 13.7% of America's total population, currently own crypto. That was 2021. It's 2024 now, and like their forecast was that it was going to be like 10% of the population uh or something and I don't know where it is actually now. Um let me see if there's any more articles on this. Um I don't think there's any. I'm not sure if there's any oh here. Satista, February, like okay, Satista has some data here. Let's see what they have in here recent. 2022. Oh, you have to have a subscription to this shit to actually look at it. So never mind. Um anyway, but the um it's a still relatively small proportion. Uh, but that doesn't mean all the rest of those people are going to suddenly show up and buy crypto any more than they buy penny stocks. So what? the total the like- market is the people that if they knew about crypto and they learned about it, they would actually buy it. And that, that number is not 100% of the U.S. population for sure. So, No, I, I'm talking about the hatred. You know, the hatred, is there any hatred against crypto? Like, Oh, um, yeah, maybe. Um, Not really. I don't think most people care, to be honest with you. Um, like, yeah, if you take the man on the street, they're like, whatever, I don't care that like it'd be like are there people that hate penny stocks many penny stocks go to zero all the time do people hate them not really um politicians and such um wealthier voters are probably the ones more likely to have uh crypto and stuff so it's going to be increasingly hard for um as the technology moves on and more people own crypto it's going to be harder and harder to win elections as being anti-crypto because you're basically just creating enemies on the election trail. That'd be like saying you're anti-business or anti-money or anti-software. You're probably not going to get very far. So I think we're. That's that's my take on like the politics of it. I think in the next uh, by the next ten years, the number of people that own crypto in the United States will be sufficient enough to where, like, it doesn't make sense to make it a negative campaign issue unless there's like rampant crime due to crypto or something maybe become some sort of you know issue but i don't, I don't know about that yeah.
4: so 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 you can so, so your prediction is like no like in next 10 years crypto is going to be some mainstream issue for the
1: politicians maybe maybe yeah another 10 years maybe like it becomes much bigger um i believe the more immediate mainstream problem is going to be ai so we've talked about that before um it represents a much bigger impact on a media society. Um, it affects all the things that people care about: um, crime, birth rates. It affects um, scams and okay. you know all the, you know usual things that we talk about, um, and it affects like the education system. So I, I think like the most obvious politically contentious issue in the next twenty years is really uh, AI is going to foreshadow crypto by a significant amount. Because the number of crimes you can commit with AI are just endless, pretty much. Like these yeah. days, you're getting spam mails to your email that, EM, that email spam filters can no longer fully block. Um, so more than likely, you're going to have a situation where it's probably not too far off where like, all email um, senders are going to be like KYC yes. emails and then you can block all non-kyc emails if you want because the problem is yeah. the amount of spam coming in and That's the fake the fake uh what? stuff and that it's become much easier to generate that shit with ai and make it hard to bypass the, yeah, spam the quantum threat
4: also you know that when the quantum technology is going to implement with the ai and the threat is going to be more 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 and more lethal
1: you know yeah it becomes more yeah. exponentially problematic yes yeah. so yeah, all that stuff is coming down the pike right now. I mean, we're seeing those emails and junk mails and whatever. But you know,
4: you, know, you can see all these writers and all these, you know, uh, it's the promoters and the writers and the column writers and uh, the reporters. They are when they are talking about the AI, they attack ChatGPT GPT or BARD type of, you know, applications. But these applications are not that bad. And these are the good applications of, the good side of AI, but
1: why these? Sort of, they're sort of good yeah. in the sense that, like, it's very easy yeah. to make credible-sounding but, information yeah. using those that you can use to scam people with. So there's it's a plus or minus. Right. Yes, but the AI has
4: a good side also. But these reporters and these marketers promote these tools bad way, and they just don't know about AI. What they are going, they are promoting some good tools you know like chat gpt or birds or any other ai tools and they don't understand these things and promote these things in very very bad way and do you think these are these this is really promote nonsense what? What, do
1: you, what do you mean a bad way i'm not sure what you're talking about who is promoting what and,
4: like you know some kind of musicians and musicians is using some ai tools to change his voice tune and other things and yeah. some industry some some industry guys attacking these tools and banning them censoring censorshipping them like like you know the, the digital arts if people oh, use like, you mean, like
1: you mean like deepfakes and stuff
4: yes defects and stuffs and other things like people also you know you can see the writers many writers write bad things about chat gpts and the google words and other things and you can write these things also And whenever they talk about the AI coming and they just don't know how to, you know, deal with these
1: situations, but nobody's going to know how to deal with it. There is no solution. Like people are just going to have to live with them. So you're going to like basically anytime a new major technology is introduced to human beings, whether it's the wheel or whether it's cooking food or whether it's like fire or electricity you're going to basically have a gigantic culture shift where the world that we know before AI is going to be different from the world after AI. And it's going to be known as like night and day. Be like, imagine a world before you had like, I don't know, electricity. But you You
4: cannot eliminate AI, but you have to reduce the dark side of AI, you know? That's the thing. You you cannot eliminate AI from the world.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's a way to eliminate the dark side either. We're going to live with. We're gonna live with that devil forever. That's just part of it. People just have to like learn to live with it, pretty much. It's the Is same fair? way we learn to live with like violence. Same way we learn to live with like food poisoning, whatever. Um, there's just like it's a threat vector that will always be there. Like, they don't think you can fix it. There's there's no eliminating it really, because any attempts to eliminate it leads to another set of problems, police state problems, and. Control over mm. your information, control over your speech, control over your weapons, control over everything. So either yes. you like, so that's what I call the machine. That's Democ- what I always keep saying. Over over that's, that's the machine totalitarian state that you yes. get when you try to combat AI. You get a state where humans lose most freedom. Yes, that 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 will kill the democracy. and um, yes. you'll just be in. You'll like you will have no way to like control AI without controlling humans. Simple as that. Simple as that. Absolutely. Yeah, nothing. like. There's nothing more complicated than that. So, yeah, the more tech you create that controls the AI is the exact same type of tech. You have to then use against this. Just... This is the thing I just want
4: to mention, like, you know, these governments are promoting these agendas so they can do some across the line thing by, the, by using this AI issue. Do you think this is happening?
3: Uh not very
1: minimally like Europe has a little bit of like AI regulation type stuff. Nobody in V knows how they're going to implement any of the regulations, mostly nonsense. Are people, are people going to use the AI narrative to like, some people are going to use it to try to say we would enhance freedom. Some people are going to say it because they say we're going to have to control more people. Government has all sorts of types. You have basically statists which want more power. And you have libertarians who believe that human beings should have less, more freedom. Every government has those, those fights about how aggressive to be with their population in terms of control. Um, some yeah. countries are more statist than others. he's a, a power addicted entity.
4: And they just yeah. all of It's called, it's to.
1: called statism. That's the word that you're looking for. Statism. Yes. S-T-A-T-I-S-M. And um, statism is this idea that like, you have this construct that the only way to solve people's problems with is with government. And basically, and then the state is the one that needs to control all of these things. Um, in reality, like there's a mixture of things. So take crime, for example. Um, if you have a society where the religion says you should not commit crime, then people think twice about committing crime because they want to go to heaven or something like that, right? So, if you have a culture that usually has a spiritual behavior, you typically don't have to have as many laws and whatnot because they, people tend to control themselves. Um, usually if you go more secular and like you have less sort of like maybe spiritual influence, then what happens is you have to force people to do things with incentives. Um, it's not automatic that people are going to behave morally. Without sort of some fear construct. Like you have to either fear, like, because basically all conforming of law with law results in some opportunity cost where you could have made money or advanced in life had you not followed the law, right? So, like, the natural instinct is gonna be to skirt the law when you can. And, like, an ethical <laughs> society or a moral society um, may need less sort of like government control um, if they're naturally sort of more, not naturally, but like their society and their culture is more ethical. So yeah, it's just, yeah, it's interesting trade-offs basically. Um, and you have like very different countries from this perspective, like Japan physically, if you just go there, looks very different from the United States in terms of how they take care of, say for example, their trash or, um, how, you know, human beings interact with each other in terms of levels of respect and things of that nature. Like it's night and day pretty much. Um, on the other hand, like um, you might have way more general freedom in the U.S. in terms of like what you do and who you say and what you say it to, what you say what to. Um, although that's changed a bit too, like there's been these aggressive like initiatives against quote unquote hate speech and other nonsense. So um, yeah, there's there's all sorts of reasons people come up with to reduce freedom. Uh, AI is the most obvious big one, even more than the ones anything that we've had in our history in the past to reduce human freedom. Anyway, um, but uh, AI is going so, to. Direct-
4: so my, my, my question is, last question is like, what is the big, biggest threat? Is that AI machine or a highly censorship government?
1: Um, pretty much they both come hand in hand. Like, I feel like the more powerful AI gets, the more, government ends up having to lock down the information that goes to and fro and it's like a feedback loop. Uh, is there one that's worse than the other? I don't know. It depends on your perspective. It also depends on your perspective of whether humans should control the planet or ultimately more exceedingly machines control the planet. And um, I think if you ask the average human, they'll say, oh, I want humans to control the planet. But if you look at how humans behave, they behave like their computers should rule the world. Um, like the best way to describe this is if you were to come up to a house in America, um, you'll see a little small door in front of the house for a human, right? Like the front door. And you'll see two gigantic or three gigantic doors for the cars. Because um, like, and if you're an alien, you came to this house, you're like, wow, this, these people have like, a, these cars must rule the planet and uh, they have human slaves moving them around and putting fuel in them and feeding them, right? Like it almost looks like the machine is the actual, Um, entity that lives in this house almost similarly like if you look at how humans behave they'll say oh we want to be free and we want to be whatever but the reality is like most of us are perfectly comfortable with like google deciding what we watch netflix deciding what we watch and how we live our life uh changing our mind changing our social culture everything um we're comfortable with like the news organizations telling us what we are and what we should do and we're we like to use our phones and things and not put our technology away, like we're talking on the space right now. So the thing is like we behave we say we want one thing, but in actual behavior, we behave differently. And um I think with AI it'll be no different. The same as cars, same as um smartphones, AI and and um robots are gonna be things that we're gonna want to use on a regular basis. And as humans, and that's going to include everybody. We're talking about everyone from children all the way up to elderly, to government politicians, to everybody, law enforcement, warriors, everyone's going to want to use robots and AI yes. different techniques, right? So in, as, in. That goes, as that goes forward, um, what will happen is, is that like you wind up having a new whole new set of re- regulations, a whole new set of regime rules, whatever to handle the fact that all these fucking robots are running all over the place. Um, what you can do with them, what you can't do with them. I mean, if you think about it now, like people have arguments in America about like gun violence. Oh, so and so shot up the shopping mall with their gun. Imagine a robot killer, like Jesus Christ, like you can kill a lot of people with a with a robot. We're not talking about a sentient robot. We're just talking about one that can track human faces and ha- is armed. Um a robot can kill a lot of people very quickly. We're talking about you can kill out, you know, you can take out hundreds so, before you can, learn- can do about it. You, you know,
4: cannot blame, blame, blame. This is a, this is a robot. kill. a robot kill the people. No, this is not robot kill that people. The, the uh,
1: person who behind this robot. Right. Kill that. That's exactly. That's the same argument that gun control people make. Gun people, like if we take guns out of the hands of everybody, no one will, no one will die. This isn't really true. You have people that will still stab people and set things on fire or whatever. So yes, guns yeah. are just like a scapegoat. But yeah, that's the argument that people kill people. People kill people, not guns kill people necessarily.
3: Sure.
1: Um, same thing with robots and such. If you use them inappropriately, you can, you can kill a lot of people. But my point is, like, if you look at the politics of gun control and then you look at what the future politics of AI and robot control are going to look like, you, there's pretty good corollaries there. Like the, 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 in the U.S. especially, they haven't even been able to come to a consensus on whether abortion should be illegal or not. Um, very, very gridlock in terms of politics for that. Uh, and if you tried to ban like guns, you're going to have gridlock. If you try to ban any kind of free speech, you're going to have gridlock. If you have, um, and, it, and in the U S it favors free speech, uh, as opposed to gridlock. Um, if you have, uh, robots starting to kill people, you're going to have people arguing, Oh wait, but the, the robot is who takes care of my grandmother. Like you can't, you can't take my robot away, you know? So there'll be gridlock there too. Um, and, uh, cause you know, the same, you know robot that can be used to take care of your grandmother um it might be the same one that you can just arm and kill people with so you know, you're gonna wind up with these problems
4: yes and always i i just um, in my perspective i think
3: human is the biggest threat not machine uh, perhaps like <laughs> it, it uh
1: that that may change though that's the thing it's it's not uh it's not guaranteed that it'll stay that way forever in terms of our ability to control these things. But anyway, um, Oh, by the way, if, uh, anyone here was on Terra before and knew about Apollo Dow, um, they had an airdrop originally. Um, you may or may not have claimed it if you had previous Apollo tokens or, or Terra wallet. And you certainly could, consider getting that airdrop but the price is sort of bottomed out of the thing i just noticed i was getting alerts that it's um price is going up it's got about 14 and a half million market cap with a seventy-five thousand dollar trading volume uh i'm not advocating for necessarily buying or selling this thing at this moment but um it's got a fully diluted valuation of market cap that are pretty fair i believe all the coins are in circulation Uh, if you haven't claimed your airdrop certainly go do so You can use your Terra station, um, your Terra wallet from back in the Luna V2, I believe. Uh, Or if you, I believe, had Apollo tokens back then, it also gave you more airdrop, I believe. I'm not sure what the criteria are, Um, but uh, you might have missed that airdrop. But it's now like bottoming out in price and it jumped like 55% just like a little while ago. Um, So it seems like it's starting to take off a little bit. So um, if you haven't claimed or haven't, Want to be interested in the price action? There you go. It's a small little project. It's like a yield aggregator type of thing. I think I'm not sure what they're doing these days, but it's like 14.5 mil market cap. Uh, so it's available if you have um, if you if you want it. I believe the chain it's on now. I believe it's on Neutron now, though. So you actually connect your Terra wallet and Neutron, I believe, to pick this up. So it's not on old Terra. Uh, on, it's not on Terra, like the Luna t- chain. It's not on the Luna chain at this point. It's, uh, I believe, on Neutron. So you, the way you claim your airdrop is you connect both wallets. You connect your Neutron wallet and you connect your um, Terra wallet at the same time. It'll check and see if you qualify and you can download the airdrop. Uh, be careful. Make sure you go to the Apollo DAO official Twitter. Do not Google these things because you're going to get scammed. Um, that's a common way to scam people, by out of connecting their wallet and draining them. So, check, take a quick look. Um, anyway, if you, if you missed that, it may not be too late, although I'm not 100% sure. Um, let me see here. Um, oh, let's see. Daddy Crypto said um, other technologies that are coming are Cryo EM, Cryo Tomography, CRISPR, Cas9.
3: Uh, yep. Um,
1: William the Conqueror said, but Russia isn't at war with Ukraine. If they were, Ukraine would be wiped out. All that's going on in this world is stage play. It's all theatrics. I tend to agree. Um, yeah, if they really wanted to wipe out Ukraine, they could. <laughs> They've kept the government intact and most of it intact. Um, let's see. Anything else interesting here? Someone's like, Monero is the real Bitcoin. I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, and then Stacker's like, oh, this is boring. Where's Ann and Zintani? <laughs> it's funny um anyway um yeah any other like if anyone has any crypto questions any charts you want reviewed take a look my take is that this dip is probably transient and yes uh, do you you
4: you can do for
1: injective injective let's see how it's doing um let's see what price did you get injective at initially uh 79. Oh this okay. It's at 34.77 now. Let me get my
3: connection working here. Just open my laptop back up. For some reason I Let's see there's something wrong with Trading View or what? It's not gonna reload here. See if I can get it to work. Um injective um okay
1: so it's basically got a bull flag um and uh it's like let me see where it's rsi is here uh it's rsi is just like slightly bullish it's just over 50. um it had a pretty good pullback Um, it looks like a double bottom or triple bottom on price at this local area which uh, bottomed at about 30 bucks. Now it's at 34.81. So probably gets another move up um, from here. Um, very hard to say, though, man. Like sometimes they look good and something might drag for like six months while everything else runs. You never know. The only thing about Injective is it's run so much. You know, are there any new users left to buy this coin? Is the question you have to ask yourself. Is everyone that's in this coin in it? And, I, and I've asked the same question for all of the coins that have already had a pretty good run for this year, especially if they broke an all-time high, which Injective did. Um, but like things that have already run for the last year and a half, that would be Injective, that would be Akash, that would be Fetch. These are the three that are kind of like, are they going to continue to get buyers or are people going to become wary of them because it's so much easier to make an ROI on Chainlink now? You know return investment in terms of multiples than it is on a lot of these other things. I don't know now that just may that's just my interpretation of it. I don't know necessarily that like you know it won't do great. It may just pump to high heaven, maybe it's a pretty popular chain as far as like pumpamentals, so maybe um oh, the monero I mentioned that I picked up at one twenty is now all the way to one twenty nine remember it capitulated, and it just keeps going up and up now. Basically, there's no sell pressure left on Monero. So, that's a, probably a very safe bet in terms of like possible upside. The downside would be like it gets delisted for more places or something. But
3: um, I don't think
1: that's a big issue right now. I think it'll pump Monero. Uh, people will find their way to it and buy it somewhere. It's on MexC. It's on Kraken in America. It's not technically illegal, actually. Um, I think in Europe, maybe it is. But um, like ring signature based um, coins. But anyway. Um, Anne, were you gonna say something?
5: Yes, otherwise I wouldn't have my hand. Yeah, go ahead. In the sky. Um yes, Monero, um, you can't you can't trade Monero
1: in Europe. Yeah, um, so you would have to use a VPN and use like you'd yes. have to use um, you know, Mexi or something, probably.
5: Uh-huh. Yeah. But I have another question for you. Yeah. Um specifically. Um the last couple of well i think two two months um i've been listening to a a space it's called um oh
3: ships now i forgot the name
5: mario party music party no
3: okay no, it's
5: serious no so no it's real serious 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 (laughs) trader club I, the yeah, name. I
1: think I, I think I've seen his group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's- Mario Mario Party.
5: Yes, yes. Well, and um, um, a couple of days ago, they were trying to um, transfer injective to um, the Kepler to Kepler Wallet and from Kepler Wallet to whatever. Um, so they have to use Leap Wallet, and it was like a complete chaos and um they yeah i believe
1: believe, like the easiest one to no 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 this is
5: not my question it's not my question so now um they like they they really want to do like um like for um a monthly or a two weekly space especially um for cosmos uh based on cosmos and um i wanted to, because there was someone it's really sometimes difficult um if you're not uh, aware of all the things happening on the cosmos and there are a lot and you have to know a lot of ways and tunnels and funnels and boomers to get all, everywhere um so they like to um be more knowledgeable about that, and um, I really want to ask you if you would please um, be in their space uh, for, yeah. for. I hope one time that I can invite you and. Um,
1: um, well, I mean, it's, it's more up to them. them. It's probably more up to them than you, probably. But like, yeah, I could, I could talk about it. A little. I, it's probably more up to them than you, I would imagine but um yeah i wouldn't have a problem chatting about it, it looks like they're kind of chill, they'd kind of chill there and talk stuff
5: no i i i said that i i would ask you yeah, um that's so and i so i first come to you and then i ask you before and because now i come can come back and say okay what time do you have in mind and then i could come back to you and ask uh, uh, either, are you available
1: way, right? Either way, or I'm chilling here, so they can always drop in. It's not a big deal. It's like, oh, no, that's
5: one. not gonna. No, you have go to come there.
1: Oh, I, it's, it's Either way, It doesn't matter to me. Like,
5: so fun. I can I can say it's okay that you come over there for maybe yeah. Um, yeah?
1: Or or, or, or like I mean that I I I, think I maybe follow those guys. I'm not really sure, but like they can always drop by and say hello if they'd like to. So it's you know.
5: Yeah, but, they, like, but the the point is that they um most of them are really struggling with um the whole cosmos space like how do you how myself as well actually so (laughs) i'm learning what what i'm not
3: doing
1: very much anymore is i'm not like making appointments with people to do certain like specialty interviews very much because like it's just i like to hop on when i feel like it and it's like twitter space is just entertainment for me but if I have okay. to go out of my way to figure out an exact timing with somebody and all that, it's just like, I can't be bothered. Um, so, like, okay. but, you know, so, but, but yeah. they, are, they are they are there 24-7, yeah, 24/7. every day. Oh, 24-7, um, hello. <laughs> okay.
5: Yeah, they are there they're, uh, they're,
3: they're, all
5: they're day. They're keeping t-
1: their bags moving then, for sure, huh?
5: <laughs> yeah, but they're real, they're real <laughs> traders. <laughs> There's lots of money in that group. So, um... Um, yeah, um sure
1: then well. I will mm? so I'm sure they're doing well it's yeah I think I've seen their their group yeah they do little yes trading discussions In- and things like that it's cool Mm-mm.
5: yeah
4: if okay. if, they, if they need expert you can hire me and there is my special skill you can check my name my name is Inferno Enus I can shoot <laughs>
1: fire from my anus Yeah Inferno As here is really good um he, he would be a good guest as well for sure
5: it's, Is that is that your real name, Infernal Enos?
1: Yeah, he well, I mean, he just fires. Like you can see his PFP there, right? Like he fires. Sometimes the community members in his area, They like because of his antics, they come and set fire to his butthole. That's what like you probably missed that last.
5: Oh.
1: you oh, know. just a just
5: discussion about your. Oh, yes, yep. about your So Yesterday
1: hole. they came after him after a yeah. discussion because they heard us on spaces and then they set fire to his butthole. Now he has a picture. Of yes. Yes. <laughs> this is yeah, what's happening. No, okay. no so, actually, it uh, actually is happened. This you still, know? Is it still hurting today or is it like you, it burned all the nerves off so you can't even feel
4: it? No, uh, yes. Today I have a and I burned my pants. <laughs> what's the
5: band?
1: Okay. He farted. He burned oh. his pants. Oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, it happens sometimes. It happens, <laughs> but it's whatever.
5: But are you really? Um, do you know? Are you really um, into cosmos? Um, I will call you inferno and leave the anus away. But are you? Uh, can you explain I think first, first,
1: things? You just and... it anus. Anus is, a, uh, <laughs> is easier to say. <laughs> yeah, but... like two, two syllables versus three, right? No, this is is not my actual name. My actual name is Roasted Butthole.
5: (laughs) Roasted butthole.
1: This is a non. This is anonymous name, but his real name is different.
5: But do do Um, you know a lot about cosmos space?
1: Probably knows a little bit. (laughs) He owns a little bit of injective token. He knows that much. Yes. Uh
5: (laughs) <laughs> okay well i I, I, re- I really need someone who who can teach them and they are really serious and thankful so um
1: yep i mean cosmos is pretty simple that like
5: no it's the, not ex- the
1: the user experience is very similar to like using ethereum arbitrum optimism and polygon in that mm. because because polygon and optimism and these things are layer 2s that coins that move between Ethereum and these layer twos have to be very specific channeled coins. They have to be wrapped in whatever. So the difference in Cosmos is you have lots of different chains and you can cross between those chains if there is an actual um like IBC channel for that particular asset to cross, you know, you know so that, that like basically like if you go to an, a DEX on injective, which is like Helix, and you go to a DEX on um, Kujira. It's not as straight. It's same thing as if you go to a Dex on Arbitrum versus Optimism. You may not be able to just transfer assets between the two very readily, without um, ha, you know having the right type of asset to transfer back and forth. Right. This is the problem. So in that mm-hmm. sense, that confusion is there for Cosmos as well. This is why I keep saying like the the solution for all this is really everyone incorporate Chainlink CCIP and this problem goes away. Um, uh, so, yeah. like, so the problem <laughs> is is that like cha- so, yeah. There's Ethereum problems and then there's Cosmos problems. Both of them are like questionable consumer experiences. And if they're confused about what to do, and the reason why they're confused is because when you use Leap or Kepler or whatever, you see a bunch of assets there. You're used to using a bunch of assets and thinking that you can swap between them because like they're all in the same chain. But this is not the case. When you have your Leap wallet, what you're basically looking at is coins from all sorts of chains and you can't just simply just move them back and forth however you feel like it um and usually you have to use a dex aggregator like squid router ibc fun or tfm.com or something like that To and they can send your coins all over the place swap them whatever they need to um, yeah or you exactly the information they want yeah. to know sure the- like so yeah it just takes a little bit of while to sort of understand like what the hell you're looking at when you're looking at kepler or leap mm-hmm. um, it is tri- yeah. It is definitely difficult for the new user. Hell, it's difficult for me sometimes. I'm like, wait a minute, I need to take this to this. I'm like, why am I not able to move my stupid uh, Huawa tokens from Juno? I don't even know why I have them on there. I think I had some coins I had to dump into something, and I dumped them into Huawa. And then the coin mooned. I'm like, I want to sell this thing. And, and there's no channel between Juno and getting back to osmosis to no, exactly. Huawa. So they broke the stupid like IBC channel, and it's like, what the hell is going on here? so you know who is like why did they close this channel down like what what, what is going on? like it's just it's just simply nonsense so mm-hmm. there is that element of um confusion a little bit sometimes even for someone who's used to this
5: yeah it's it's not not really user-friendly at the moment because you have to know a lot to uh, i want to uh,
1: the mental framework ha- is hard to understand the first problem it's not even if you know how to push the buttons it's like where is my coin exactly? And wait, it's wrapped or what is it? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what does it mean if you have IBC Atom? At least now, like when you go to Kepler, for example, it labels your coins as, so if you go in there and it shows your wallet has IBC Atom, you click on it, it'll show you that you're in osmosis. Like before, it's not even obvious where your coins are. But imagine how weird it is if you have like Atom in three different places. You have Atom in your wallet, you have Atom in your, you know Kujira, and you have Adam and Osmosis. It's going to show it in three different places in theory. Um, and that's just weird user experience for people. This is, the CCIP solves this, basically, because no matter where your assets are, it will show all of your CCIP summed assets in theory in one place. That's possible in the future.
5: Um, yeah, but it, it still isn't there. And I think it no, will won't it. <laughs> be there this year or next year.
1: No, and it's because like Cosmos would have to adopt CCIP and they don't have a great reason to adopt it because their goal is to adopt more of uh, IBC. Mm -hmm. So like everyone's already gone in on the idea of IBC assets between the Cosmos chains and um, Mm -hmm. it is what it is. And Mm -hmm. sometimes like nobody wants to be a slave to another system. So like if Chainlink is the mainstream thing, there are going to be people that don't want to use Chainlink because it's too mainstream. So you know what I mean? Like they want to be on the fringe, a little bit. So <laughs> you never know. Um, but uh, yeah, it could be who knows how long before uh, they decide to connect all those things.
3: Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay.
5: I I I think I know your answer, and um, <laughs> I will get back to them, and um, I will send you an invite. And if you won't or will come, you it, it Yeah. Sure. Just whatever.
3: <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. yeah we'll okay. See. Thank Go. you.
5: Thank you so much. Yeah, none,
3: none of this
1: is like rocket science where people can't figure it out, but you just have to ultimately wrap your brain around what assets you're dealing with. Um, like what, what exactly is in my wallet and where is that coin exactly? That's the confusing part. Um, and on top of that, they changed Kepler recently. So it's like like you you finally wrapped your head around how it's supposed to work. And now Kepler version two does it very differently. And um, that's. Oh yeah.
5: Too. On top of that.
1: On top of that. And then like. On top of that, like Kepler doesn't show some tokens; um, it doesn't show tokens that are not programmed. So, like Leap Wallet, you can see your Autism Token, but in, Cos- in Kepler, you cannot. Right? That's another. I can. That's another issue. I oh, can, can if I right?
5: connect with Astroport. Astroport. Oh
1: yes, no, no. What I'm saying is, but you can't see it in your native, like in their wallet list.
3: No, no. So that the
1: token list doesn't show it. So that's another confusion, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Leap is a little bit better when it comes to dealing with random tokens. So I downloaded leap just so I can kind of like deal with my autism token basically. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. And then Kepler works really well with osmosis because it's obviously, you know, built by the same people. So mm-hmm. you get yeah. these different issues. And then, and then on top of all that, what's this <laughs> called? Um, Kujira doesn't, it works with Kepler, but it doesn't have channels from osmosis to Kujira. So if you want to interact with it, you have to first get a coin on osmosis like Atom, then you have to move it to your wallet, then from your wallet, you have to go to Kujira. then you have to buy whatever you want to buy. Um, why?
5: So, I don't understand why it has to be so complicated.
1: It's complicated because there's no universal gas token, um, which is what you mm. Link is trying to do. And so what I argued is Atom should be the universal gas token for all of the cosmos. because I thought Mutual of things, was going to be because most of these chains are not making much money anyway, as far as revenue. So like, you know, many of the chains have almost free um, transactions. In fact, stargaze transactions are free, uh, whatever. So the thing is like, if the transactions are barely making you any money, what really makes you money is if the coin price goes up because that's how the validators are paid. So if you want more people to use your chain, you want to make it easy, make a universal gas token like Adam so that you can use that for all transactions that are like, you know, cross chain or whatever, and you create like a cross chain, maybe Cosmos Hub Dex, or or maybe Osmosis becomes that Dex or something, and you can cross between one thing to the other. So if I want to con- convert something, there's a liquidity pool somewhere; it automatically routes it through, and you're good to go. Um, one group that is doing this is Terra Station is doing this. So if you go to Terra Station's wallet, I believe TFM and everything are actually. Uh, baked into the system so that in in the routing is actually taken care of in the background and if you want to convert between one thing to the other you can. Coin hall mm-hmm. does this too to some extent. They have like the ability to route TFM I believe is connected to CoinHall, I think, or something. And you can say, I want Kajira tokens. I want to use Atom to get it. And you don't have to figure out how to where it goes and how to do it. All you do is you swap coins. So DEX aggregators are very helpful in Cosmos. But the problem mm-hmm. with Dex aggregator is sometimes you get bad trade execution. Like you don't get a good price for your shit.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: so usually they do pretty good though. Like so you can try it. Like TFM.com is a good way to exchange one thing for the other and you can see, make sure that you don't have too much slippage and all. But still, all of that is a relatively tricky user experience for the newbie. Like a newbie, like if you think about like I am level five crypto out of 10 or something like. Level one might be, okay, I've got a wallet and i moved my shit off the centralized exchange. Maybe level two is like, okay, I've connected my wallet to a DeFi protocol. I've done something. And level three is, okay, now I've done some cross-chain thing where I actually went through a bridge or I went through IBC or CCIP and I went and did some shit in another chain. Level four is like, wait, there's like all these different hops to go to different coins. I don't know how to get there um whatever and i don't want to go through my centralized exchange and there's like routing protocols and whatnot and so it's like these levels of like knowledge for crypto and it just takes a while for people to like, wrap their head around that stuff like newbies like take what what maybe how long did it take you to figure all this stuff out a couple years probably at least you know or a year at least yeah at least right like and you don't you probably still don't know it really really well it's just like you you learn it as you go depending on what you need to do, right? and so this is the problem right now with the whole crypto experience is um the the new person that shows up so what everyone wants is like when when retail shows up and it's time to pump everything um and the new newbies come everyone wants their coins to go up right but the harder it is for newbies to buy your coin the more less likely they're going to buy it it's called you know the friction in the process that's a constant problem with crypto
5: uh, Safi, did you? I thought I thought Neutron was going to be the um, um, main uh,
3: asset instead of Atom.
1: Well, Neutron is a side chain that was like you know funded by specific um, VCs and whatnot, and they pay fees to the Cosmos Hub for any transactions that happen on Neutron. And then Neutron has, you know, like Astroports connected to it, Astroport connected to, um, I think they connected to Say Network, and I think they connected to um, Terra and things like that. So, like, you have some capabilities there, but Neutron is not a neutral neutral party. So in order mm-hmm. to create, like, some kind of hub where you have a neutral hub that is not, like the reason why they didn't put Cosmosm or smart contracts on Cosmos Hub is to keep the neutrality so they're not seen as a competitor to all the other chains out there because imagine if like everything on Kujira was replicated on Cosmos Hub that's not neutral that's just a competitor right mm-hmm. so the idea is that no one's going to build app chains if your core primary chain gets all the development and all the money um so that's the reason why Uh, Cosm, like, it's not a Cosmosm-enabled chain. There's no smart contracts in Cosmos Hub. But my point was, like, maybe you don't need all that. You just need to have at least, like, Atom as a gas token and the ability to transfer. And right now, IBC has, there's no way to pay for it. So there's relayers, but they're not getting paid specifically to, um, you know, transmit your coins from one chain to the other. There really should be a fee of some kind. And there isn't any significant fee right now. And as a result, like there's no way to pay those relayers for all that work. So it's not very scalable. Um, CCIP solves that as well. But if you actually had Atom as the gas token for IBC transactions, you know, that could be interesting. Now, the other problem with having that as a gas token is wait, who's paying the gas? Is it the chain that's paying the gas? Is it the consumer? My The way you would do this would be every chain would adopt Atom as a gas token. And what would happen is the chain would implement a system where, let's say you have Kajira tokens and you want to send your Kajira to um, another chain. What would happen is in the background, some of the fees from your Kajira would be converted to Atom and Atom would pay for the the IBC um, relayer network. And the entire IBC relayer network would pay like that in Atom. And the chain itself would keep some Atom in order to convert the consumer's funds to Atom to pay the fees. Does that make sense? So, like, the end user would not have to have Atom in their wallet. They would be able to send Kujira directly to, um, you know, Injector or something, and there would be no problem. Um, Mm -hmm. But the other thing, too, in Cosmos is all these chains have similar, like, similar stuff on them. They have a DEX, they have various, you know, meme coins they have you know some various perps projects and they have like what usual shit right every DeFi platform is the same pretty much copy paste usual shit and they're competitors so they're not really happy with like cooperating with each other to make this work they want liquidity to come to their chain like kojira and stay there they don't want people to leave and go buy like Oh, look, there's a meme point coin injective that you know we, they don't want you to sell your tokens in one place and move them somewhere else because that's not good for their total value locked. And so it's an interesting thing that they want everyone wants money to come to their chain. Nobody wants money to leave their chain. That's the game.
3: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: So the incentives are not aligned to cooperate very well with different chains. That's the problem. Uh-huh. So well, I uh, think I think with CCIP, because they CCIP chain uh, Chainlink is not a blockchain and they're only somewhat of a competitor, then it makes sense to connect everything to that. And I don't know. To me, I'm worried that IVC is obsolete in the face of CCIP. I mean, it just looks like it to me. Um,
3: Mm -hmm. Well,
5: imagine all the things that you just said. I couldn't write fast enough, of course. Oh, that's OK. You don't
3: have to repeat all (laughs) that.
5: But but (laughs) all the things that you just said, uh, the, but, uh, e- even i could, can't remember all these things like yeah. just for one the hour but you get so, the picture
1: yeah yeah the kinds of issues the kind the reasons why it's not easier than it should be um all of those kinds of things there's um, yes and and there's yeah. people more technically uh much much more technically proficient than i am i just look at it from the user of like the end user like why is the system the way it is and why is my consumer experience the way it is and how would I like to see it be better is it technically feasible to make it better are there people in the market making a better product that does do this already these are all the questions I ask because I asked from an investor perspective in my head like if I'm going to put a bunch of money into something like is it going to grow or not like that's what you need to know right like is your number yeah it doesn't make sense to put your money in something it doesn't grow in value over time because the network is stupid or something so that's Mm -hmm. why i think of this from a practical perspective and just think of it from an investor perspective and i'm not gonna like if cosmos doesn't impress me you know then that's their problem not mine so as a a community quote-unquote community member i support the community but at the same time you better build me some goddamn things at work and build me (laughs) something that that it better builds things that like other consumers are going to want or other chains are going to want. Otherwise, you're going to have a problem with, you know, bringing in TVO.
3: Um,
1: and that's going to indirectly affect my investment. So, yeah, you want to look at this not because some people think it's all like kumbaya. You should only look at it from the perspective of a community member and everyone should be nice to each other. Not necessarily. It's like my money will go where I think it's going to grow, not where it's going to sit and do nothing. So that is up to the, that particular community has to convince me to spend lots of money, because mm-hmm. like I could put my money in lots of things. Like why why this particular thing, right?
3: Because mm-hmm. exactly. let's
1: face it, most of these most of these crypto projects don't have a real world utility at this moment. So the fact is, you're only buying it so the numbers goes up. And if someone mm-hmm. can't convince you why the number is going to go up or why more users are gonna come to play, then you have a problem. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I think that's the 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 imperative is on that particular blockchain to convince everyone to come play the video game. And that's what it is. It's a video game. And people want to play like play tokens and sell them and buy them and whatever. Right. And it's nothing. Most of them have nothing more than that. I mean, it's not like people are curing cancer in the crypto space right now. Nobody's curing cancer. Nobody is oh. like, you know, nobody's creating food for you to eat. Like, you know, maybe like <laughs> the NFTs, maybe, okay, maybe the people are selling you art. Okay. That's a product. Or maybe they're selling mm-hmm. you music. All right, fine. That's a product fair outside of that there aren't that many products being sold
5: well there yeah. there's a long way to go i think
1: there's, true, there's but we've had plenty of time also it's just very difficult to create real world products in blockchain
3: mm-hmm, like yeah. how,
1: how many real world products products really need blockchain that's the first problem um,
3: so um I, well I, I um, think- if you
5: look at el Salvador or argentina mm-hmm. for for example um if you go to El Salvador, you have Bitcoin. You can pay almost everything with Bitcoin now at the moment. Just you have a Bitcoin pass or
1: whatever, a credit card. Credit. Yeah. I don't think very many people use it there, though. Very few people. Because transaction um, times, remember, are very long for BTC. Don't forget that.
5: That's true. But you can, I just recently saw a uh, uh, doc, doc, doc. doc documentary documentary uh, yeah. yeah, documentary about El Salvador and how Argentina is going to change as well um
1: I think Argentina is and- the one that just had a rule that like the the crypto transactions would not be taxable for now yeah. which is super interesting so it yeah. means that like okay let's move to you know Argentina and start some grid bots right yeah. like <laughs> that's what it basically means because you're basically like you're not getting taxed on lots of transactions that's good I, I,
5: yeah that's a good thing as well, but I saw this that doc, 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 documentary and um, uh, people are walking just with their crypto card, like a Bitcoin crypto card, and buy a sandwich or a cup of coffee or grocery shopping or whatever, and it goes pretty fast. Um, it's not that they have to wait for half an hour until they get their sandwich or something. Um, it's 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 pretty fast and it, you can use it almost everywhere. So um, <laughs> I was pretty surprised by that. Um, I, I didn't know it was
3: yeah,
1: evaluating definitely. that much that fast. But yeah, the the, the the closest thing I can see right now to some sort of uh, connectivity to global financial system and payments is pretty much the Chainlink system. Like I haven't seen anything that good yet. And that there's a long way to go there, too, in that, like, it's not implemented on much of anything yet. Like there's some blockchains and things, but it's not like there's not a real world payments and stuff connected to it yet. But um, but it has the they created the structure of CCIP to be able to handle all of what you're talking about. And really, like Bitcoin's not even a great like way. It's not a great um, payments rail system for um, a country like, you know. You
5: know, no, like, they, they did it because the, the country was bankrupt.
1: Also, no, nothing... it was ba- no, I get it, but there's nothing, it's a terrible payment system. <laughs> Bitcoin's, Bitcoin's terrible at this. Like, let's just be fair. Like, it's not a good remin- remittance system. um It's good for small transactions and, like, you know, you give, send someone five bucks, whatever, okay. But the thing is, like, if you send someone, a hundred thousand dollars and they say oh we're gonna i'm gonna send you a diamond ring and they don't send you the diamond ring now they have their your bitcoin that's the end of it so the problem is is that there's no way to squat back because there's no system to do that so it's not a good thing for larger scale things um at this moment that no. that requires chainlink to accomplish that i um, think it
5: was like a a sort of like they did it because they didn't know what else to do
1: <laughs> well it's a, it's a good store of value and it was a good political talking point and el salvador bought bitcoin at a reasonable price and that worked out well for them
3: mm-hmm. so it's, yeah. it's
1: not yeah i don't think there's a problem with it i just my point is like it doesn't solve the payments problem the average average el salvadorian is not gonna know what the hell to do with their bitcoin or whatever they're just not gonna like they're not gonna do this i think as some statistic i saw it's like only like less than one percent of the transactions. El Salvador is being done with anything Bitcoin related. It's more of a novelty than anything at the moment.
3: Mm, okay. It's a good attempt.
1: It's a good attempt, but I think they'll have a much better result if they use something like if Ching. they have, like, if they have, for <laughs> example, let's say El Salvador has Bitcoin as the reserve currency and El Salvador themselves release a CCIP based BTC. In other words, it's a reserve backed asset and you can use Chainlink for the proof of reserves. And then the people can just basically like you know, use the reserve backed asset instead. And it's going to go transmit at much faster speed, much like much less expensive. And you can incorporate privacy features and everything else necessary to have a remittance system. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be like the way that Chainlink would be incorporated into something like that. Um, so there's, di- there's different ways to do it, but there's like the third world is not going to be benefited tremendously by Bitcoin transactions, It's just nonsense. They might be benefited by owning BTC as like a growth asset. The problem is the average person who works on the street in El Salvador, let's say like let's say the bottom 70% of the population, they're not going to understand the nature of a volatile asset and how to utilize it. That's just not how most people are. No. They want to understand it, right? So like it's not going to be like children and old people aren't going to be interested in using this thing for some kind of transaction, so. And and people aren't really using it for it. They're just hodling it pretty much for the most part. Um, So, and I don't know how easy it is to buy something in BTC there or whatever, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, link has a good potential for that uh, amongst like the various possibilities. And the reason why link is interesting, especially is because a country can spin up their own blockchain. They can use it and they can issue assets into the CCIP ecosystem. And now whatever asset that they have issued can now be bought and sold by anybody in the world, in a sense, that has connectivity to CIP. That's pretty interesting, right? Yeah. So you have a gigantic world market immediately as you introduce new assets into the system and everybody gets access that you want to have access to it. Very yeah. interesting stuff. In, in fact, if, if you include that Deco thing, which is like a KYC type process. So let's say there are certain things that you know people in the UK, you, you know, Amsterdam, whatever, not allowed to use for some reason then it'll just simply, you know, you can say, okay, I have my KYC in this thing. It's going to block me from using such and such thing. But every, you know, I can't buy El Salvador, El Salvadorian, you, you know, a tokenized uranium because that's illegal in uh, Belgium. Then of course, like probably, you know, then you just like, you just wouldn't let you get it because mm-hmm. you have a wallet that's tied to your persona or something. So these kinds of rules sets are possible, so that you could you could issue a worldwide asset and restrict who can and can't use them, um, or whatever. That's a possibility.
5: Interesting things
1: to. It,
5: it's all so interesting. I, I hope I I can be that old that I can have a little bit of it still. <laughs> that I can. Still uh yeah.
3: we, well, we you see. know what
5: I mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, hopefully we all lived a nice long life and get to see all these cool things be developed. Yeah, exactly. So it's a lot of it's a lot of fun watching it like <laughs> watching it all play out.
5: Thank you for um, talking, Savi. I will drop myself down
1: to listener. Very good. Um yeah, there's a lot of uh yeah, like interesting link charts out there. Um here's an interesting one. I'm, a Link Collector had one, I'm gonna post it up top um but yeah definitely i think we're in the parabolic phase now um i think the key now to whatever assets you own whether it's link or any other crypto is just leave it alone don't mess with it too much and just simply um like ride the next waves up have a long way to go basically it's going kind to of early bull market vibes usually the first 300 percent or so uh is confirmation so like the first like so for example, Chainlink bottomed at five, it's now twenty dollars. So the first three, four, five hundred percent is usually the confirmation of bull market, but that's just the very beginning. Most of the parabolic movement happens next when everyone's like, oh, the bull market's starting, the bull market's starting, and they sell their tell their friends and everything goes up. So that's the just make sure not to mess around with your assets too much. I think is all you have to know now. Basically, we just like let number go up, gloat, have fun. Whether it's Zephyr, whether it's uh, whatever you own, um, Adam, Link, Kuji, everything probably will start to climb uh, here in a bit. So, wouldn't worry worry about your stuff too much. Main thing is, don't get shaken out. Dumps will happen. Your portfolio will drop fifty percent. Whatever at some point, you're like, holy shit, my money's going to zero. Just don't panic about these things. You'll be fine. Um, like that's the biggest thing that wrecks everybody who are noobs in this space is the shakeouts. Like, oh my god, it went down forty, fifty percent. I just saw my portfolio go down by half a million dollars or fifty thousand dollars or whatever. Because the, the if you're in here, like you probably have a substantial portion of your money in crypto. That's why you're going to be upset if it goes down. You just have to largely ignore that. You're going to get 45 percent drops um, routinely, and you might have you know who knows during a bull market you can have five, six, seven, eight of those at a, in a row. And you'll get shaken out. Um, now it's 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 fair if you want to exit. You're like, ooh, this is too much money. I got this is plenty of growth for me. I'm out. Do whatever you want, but um, you don't have to ride it all the way up. But I would say, like, you know, exiting a bull market maybe kind of like mm, two thirds of the way up. If you you know, if you kind of have some targets, might be reasonable. Um, are we gonna have a weird bull market where it only goes up a little bit and then it crashes and then it goes up a little bit again? I don't know. It's like who the hell knows. Uh, so it's, it's tough to say for sure that it's going to play out the same way again, but human psychology is usually very similar in that, um, the the newbies show up much, much later after people are talking about it a lot online, talking about it on the news and stuff, and they come in ape into everything. So if you don't see spaces with like two, three, 400 people pitching each other NFTs or like. You know whatever, like you'll you'll know what that looks like when you see all the crazies come out, a bunch of newbies asking questions like, "How do I get a wallet?" and whatever, then you'll know that you're in like more raging bull market and you've not euphoria, but like uh what's the word um yeah, frothiness has sort of returned to the market, and uh, then you can start sort of seeing what's going on. then I would say that's not going to happen until probably Chainlink passes its all-time high. BTC passed its all-time high. I don't don't, like previous times that was the case. Like a lot of the frothiness happened really way after BTC passed all-time high, and the year after that. So the the newbies take a long time to show up. You you might think, oh, it's just going to pump and dump, whatever. But they, they just take forever to come. And when they get here, it's like they come from all over the world, like on the crypto games, on the whatever, and things start popping off everywhere. Everyone thinks they're getting rich. Then they tell all their friends and family, and that's when it starts. So you need the first group of people to almost like ten x their bag before the excitement really begins, and I mean ten x because I remember like you know last season I bought Bitcoin at like thirty five hundred, you know way back in you know what is it two thousand twenty, and then like you know by the time frothiness started to even come to the market it was I mean my God it was already like thirty thousand dollar Bitcoin by then they're almost ten x whatever I bought by the time the excitement even began, and then it, from there it went to seventy thousand right. So so this case, like let's say BTC of 45, it's not really much of a bull market yet, it's just the beginning. And then let's say it goes to 90 or 100 or 150, that's when you know you're getting closer to the top and you know, alts and everything else are gonna pump and then you, you, you watch to exit long before everyone else has to worry about it. So um, anyway, but yeah, I mean, I think if you can get yourself a 10X on your various coins, that's really a good, good accomplishment. Like I bought some of my chain link at like seven to 10 bucks. So a 10 X would be in the 70 to a hundred dollar range. You know, could I exit at that time? Sure. Why not? I could, if I wanted to, if I wanted to just like run away, hide my money, wait for some other bear market, that's another option. You don't even have to wait for the whole bull market to play out. If you're patient now depends anyway. Um, and the other hand, but don't like sell too soon and don't panic with little mini dips right now. We're not anywhere near frothiness. Like, We've been around here for a while. We know what that looks like. Um, and it's not this. If we were in a frothy territory, this room would have like three, four, or 500 people in it right now. And that's not the case. So we're fine right now. So just, yeah, keep be careful with your bags. Like Get your projects out there. Um, try to avoid bugs and hacks and whatever else, uh, especially with your DeFi wallet to be very careful um, and uh, have fun out there. I'm, I think I'm going to drop off for a bit. We'll maybe catch up later. Let me see what my family's doing. Uh, hey, Robin, how you doing? um All right, Vikram, catch you later. Uh, hopefully, i have a good day.
2: Okay. Good night. Motherfuckers, Motherfuckers Screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner Down in Jersey What could be worse Misrepresenting The first come first Serve mentality Stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering What works And we'll see What other kinds of Trash is under the dirt We rape and under The earth Sit and wonder About the worth And play Ring around the rosy While the thunder is served Motherfuckers Walking around here Looking faceless Trying to make a living Southern friendship bracelets Dead ants Dragging out the max Amount of payments Red down Days. got them acting all bankless, yo fam, what, check these token knocks, they probing this bear, flexing broken oh, eyes, oh, oh. I had to lay my soul down, I'm just roasting and in the end, a long day, 11 bowls of chronic, never known the politic, I was born to frolic, it's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot, we got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top, we like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom, over the impossible loss, all moss, and I'm liking the odds, bond doing the morning, forming mycological bonds, Click the cap, On the hostage Like the shit is played for keeps Clowns, white knight And all these Maybellines. They call it implausible When model after model Keeps on ripping off the coat And going full throttle beats, Tearing apart your community. All these low hanging fruits Bearing zero liquidity Gotta plan it in reach Coming standard to each I'm on the back 10 Stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management To grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beast And send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release When I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers from